Welcome to the Citizen Femme Podcast, the show where we delve deep into the journeys of 12 inspirational people. In our last episode of 2021, we are talking to one of the UK's leading vinyasa flow yoga teachers, Mercedes Seif. Mercedes, welcome. I'm sure my small introduction didn't do you justice, so please do go ahead and introduce yourself again to our listeners. Well, my name is Mercedes Seif, and uh, I'm originally from Canada, Ottawa, Canada, but I have lived many places, and now I am in, I guess, UK and kind of Madeira, as you'll find out. It was just kind of set up shop there. And I am co-founder of Yotown, which is uh, started as a health retreat and has expanded now into healthy restaurants and, uh, and another retreat. And, but my passion is of course, vinyasa flow yoga. That's what I've been doing for years. That's kind of where I got my start. So we can chat more about that, but that's kind of, I think at heart who I am, you know, vinyasa flow yoga teacher. So I'm going to go right back to the beginning. Uh, when you were a child, was vinyasa yoga on the agenda? Did you know about it? What did you dream <laughs> of becoming when you were a kid? So no, definitely not. Um, no, not at all. I, I was kind of a little bit more, I, I, you know, I, I kind of a stage kid in terms of, you know, obviously I did a lot of things like gymnastics uh, competitions and dance performance and, you know, um, track and field. And I was really kind of more, uh, I, I guess, you know, more going in that direction. And um, that's kind of how I ended up in California when I graduated. I, you know, was was doing really, I guess, music, stage, um, um I guess, performance, if you want to say. And, and that's kind of what I ended up, that's kind of, kind of always what I did. But yoga was just something I kind of found by accident, complete by accident. <laughs> so it wasn't the plan at all. <laughs> what did you study? So I studied, uh, I say I studied communications in, uh, in California at university, but, but at the same time I was studying at ACT, American Conservatory Theater. So I was there in San Francisco. That's where I lived. So like I said, I had these sort of dual lives. I had the responsible, like go in the direction everyone's kind of planned and do the uni and everything. But then I really was really wanting to continue with my, my songwriting and my singing. And that's kind of what I started pursuing and what I, what I did really. So that's really incredible. So, I mean, conservatory theater there's a wellness aspect to that and you really have to take care of yourself and maintain a lifestyle to because it's quite intensive so did that first spark your interest in wellness and nutrition or did it come off no, I'll be really honest. You know, when you're that age at 18, 19, you think you're invincible. You're not thinking about health and wellness in that way. I mean, I think I was always naturally gravitated towards that. My mother was very much into wellness and she kind of did yoga when she was pregnant with me when it wasn't cool. You know, she was into healthy foods and vegetarian when it wasn't a thing, you know, and so she was always kind of into that. Um, but, but really, I, I, you know, what, what sparked it, I think, to be honest, I just lived in California and that's kind of like a default. <laughs> I was living there. I know it sounds, you know, and, and yoga is just de rigueur and, you know, and healthy eating and, you know, all kinds of stuff that you do with well-being and your spirituality and all that. It's just kind of a thing. It's kind of what people do on Tuesdays. So, you know, it's just, I can't really say that the, going to American Conservatory Theater or anything like that really had much of a play in it. I think I was just naturally drawn to it. I'm naturally drawn to that kind of thing always. So. So you didn't, uh, I mean, you did the American Conservatory Theatre. What then led you to the creation of Yotown? Um, okay, well, if you figure, I was living in California. Um, I was living up in Northern California, going to uni and, like I said, doing American Conservatory Theatre. I got a part in Star Wars, which is a whole other thing. We're not going to get all into that. But I got a part in one of the Star Wars films. And that led me to move down to L.A., 
Um, and so living in LA, that's when I kind of got into the, the, the a little more into songwriting and the singing and the publishing. And that's what I did for a good few years. And, and I was working that whole circuit, I suppose. But at the same time, that's where I also discovered yoga. I went to my first sort of yoga class and I got into yoga because so many people, that's what, again, that's just what you did, you know, at your gym or wherever it was yoga, people were just always doing vinyasa flow yoga. And I really loved it. I really fell in love with it. It was a way that kind of kept me, it, you know, I wasn't doing gymnastics so much anymore, but obviously it kept me, um, it kind of brought it all together, the flexibility and the strength and the, and the meditation, the breathing, all the stuff I'd kind of done really a lot of my life, but I, I wanted to find a, a discipline that really put it all together. And that's really what it was. Vinyasa flow to me kind of brought everything together, um, that I really had loved, you know, been doing for a long time, practicing for a while. And so I lived in, you know, fast forward when the tsunami, this, this is going back now, the tsunami hit in Asia and 2005, well, 2004 Christmas, but 2005, I was living in LA and I have no idea why, but I felt really compelled to, I felt compelled to go and help and go do tsunami relief work somewhere. I think it was the images all everywhere. And, you know, it was such a dramatic thing at the time, you know? Um, and I really always had in my life, I think like a lot of people, you know, when you do X, then when I achieve this, then I'll go do this. And when I achieve that, then I'll go do that. And one of the things I always thought is, oh, I'd love to do some, some work abroad, some volunteer work, some healthy healing work, you know, some, some stuff abroad. And when that happened, I was kind of sitting there thinking, you know, what, what am I waiting for in terms of, you know, when I do this, you know, why am I waiting till something happens? Here's an opportunity. Maybe I should just go for it. Just go and do it and, and help for a few weeks somewhere. Now, again, it's completely just, I don't even know. I mean, it's just obviously just meant to be. Um, I happened to see an image of Colombo, this woman in Colombo, um, sort of devastated by the tsunami with her family. I think she lost a, a young child and it just really pulled at my heartstrings. And so I, I actually, I, I just got online and looked up tsunami relief work, Sri Lanka. And I'd never been, it was never even on my radar. I didn't know much about Sri Lanka, to be honest. And long story short, my flight was through London. So I ended up signing up. I found this sort of, this kind of, this, uh, sort of volunteer group. It was a bit like, just come here, come and help. I, I got a ticket that flew from LA to London, London through to Colombo, right? Cause obviously you need a stopover. So I landed there. I was in Sri Lanka and I just had a complete, you know, I don't even know, epiphany is the right word because I just think it was just like your life was just, oh, this, I was living in this bubble, I think in Los Angeles and California, thinking like a lot of people, the world is oh, just a box office and like a lot of people in LA, not, not obviously the rest of the world doesn't think that way, but I kind of lost touch, I think with reality in terms of the rest of the world living a little bit in this, in this, I think it's the reason they call it La La Land. And uh, <laughs> you literally are just in La La Land. And, and I just felt like, you know, I, I just, I couldn't leave after three weeks. I'd only been, I put my job on hiatus. You know, I only arranged my life to be away for three and a half weeks, literally 24 days. That was my ticket. And I just was like, I can't leave. So three and a half weeks turned into six months, just shy of six months. And when it was time to leave, because obviously I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done anything. I hadn't financially or just job wise or anything. I haven't, hadn't, you know, my, even my, my place, my flat, you know, I hadn't accounted for being away for so long. So I had to get back to Los Angeles. Um, and, and when I got back, I took my flight back to, through London and I got off, I had a day stopover in London and I thought oh, I'd never been to London. Let me go around London a little bit. It, you know, it looks like an interesting city. I'd never been again. It wasn't on my radar so much. And I got off and it was just like, my legs were like lead. Like I couldn't get back on the plane the next day going back to LA. I was like, I can't do this. I can't go after everything I've experienced for six months and how my life was informed, 
how it just completely changed me, the people I met, the experiences, um, the other volunteers, expats from all over the world. You know, I think everybody was touched that was there. We all, you know, everybody changed their lives in a lot of ways. And I just was like, I can't do it. I can't go back to LA. I can't go back to, to, to the hamster wheel. I can't do it. So let me, you know, I called the Airways, Thai Airways. I remember really clearly it was my ticket, Thai Airways. And I said, how much longer do I have on my ticket? How much longer can I stay? They said, well, you have two weeks, like it was 15 days. And then my ticket would be like, not kaput. You know, you only had so long. I said, okay, fine. Can I extend it as long as I could? So anyway, so I was like, oh, okay, while I'm here, the pound to the dollar at the time was really high. Like in terms of the pound was like double. So you're, you know, that one little, I'm, I'm of course doubling it in my head going, oh gosh, this one little sandwich is kind of, you know, $10 versus five pounds. You know, everything is like, ah, you know, the time the pound was really strong. And so I thought, you know, gosh, while I'm here, I should really, I need to make maybe a bit of money. I should teach some yoga. You know, let me go to the yoga studios and see what's going on. And lo and behold, there really wasn't any yoga studios. I mean, there was like three this is now, we're talking 14 years ago now, right? You know? So literally I was like, okay, wait a second. You know, where do people do yoga? Where, how do teachers teach? Like what's going on here? It was just completely different landscape than of course what I was used to in California. So I was like, wow, you know, there's a white space here. Like what's going on? So I went, you know, again, there was not really any yoga studio. So I decided, you know what, let me put up a little flyer. <laughs> I still remember going and making a little flyer. And I put up, I went to like Notting Hill and places I thought people would be into yoga. I knew expats were. And I just put flyers around, Planet Organic and these little places, again, healthy places. And then I, I decided to, you know, put a little website together. And, it, you know, again, it was all very makeshift, but it was just like, well, I don't know. How, do, how are yoga teachers advertising their services? I don't understand. Like, where are they getting work? Like, I was really confused. But it was just a really different landscape. So what ended up happening was like within a day, honestly, all of a sudden I started getting a couple of emails from my little, you know, my little ads I put around my little, my little gum tree ad and a few things. I said, yoga teacher from California here, you know, and then that's really how it, how it began. Um, I was like, oh, all of a sudden I, people were asking me, will you come and do a session? And I thought, oh, okay, yeah. And then I decided, let me go to a couple gyms since the studios aren't really hiring or doing anything because they weren't really receptive to me at all. They were like, yeah, no, sorry, we, we have enough people and we don't know what vinyasa flow is. Not sure what that is, but thanks. <laughs> so I said, fine. So I went to a couple of gyms and I said, look, I'm here for a couple of weeks. If you need a cover teacher, here I am. And you know, whatever, you know, I had a, you know, by the way, you have to remember at this point, I actually hadn't been teaching yoga per se. I had a certificate, but I hadn't been teaching. I was still doing my music and all that, but I had a certificate, but I never really put it to full-time use. So that's just a little caveat there. And then this gym called me and said, actually, you know what? Our teacher's called in sick. Can you come? Can you just come and teach? I said, yeah, sure. So anyway, I came and next thing I knew they were like, you, you know what? Like, students love this. You know, they love your class. You want to, can you teach it, teach it, take it on? And I was like, well, I'm only supposed to be here for two weeks. And anyway, the, just in those literally 10 days, the feedback was like, like every door I touched just opened. It was like everything I touched opened. Like I, I never experienced that in my life, especially after sort of the few years I've been in LA where everything you touch doesn't open. It's such a different hamster wheel. It's such a different experience that I was like, okay, you know what? This is this, I got to go with this. Why am I going to go back to swimming upstream? When something is saying, come, every door is opening. And I just thought, you know what? Let me take a chance. Let me just let this ticket go. Let me just set up shop. Let me see if it works. There's, I can always go back to LA. It's not going anywhere. My friends are there and I'm sure I can, you know, do whatever, pick back up. But this is, there's a white space here. And I really felt there was just this, I don't know, work to be done in a way. And I was like, especially with the style of yoga I was teaching, nobody was really doing it. And I thought, 
you know, there's, there's the white space and let me just explore this. And that's really, you know, again, that's why I say it's a hard nutshell to go from <laughs> where you asked me <laughs> childhood to how I ended up doing Yotown, because that's really where I ended up staying in the UK. I stayed in London because of that. And uh, again, then long story short, a few years later, I met uh, my partner, my husband, now husband, and, and we had a place, he had a place, I should say, in Devon. And so we would go there on the weekends and I'd say, gosh, this makes such a great yoga space, or maybe I should invite a few students and, you know, and, and, and then we just kind of talked about it. And that's kind of how it really came about. That's how it sort of, it just started a bit like, oh, just a pop-up for one weekend. I'll do a little yoga retreat. And then as we started exploring it more, we're like, listen, why yoga? We should do health and well-being because hiking is out here and there's all these great practitioners. They do all these amazing things. And that's really how it snowballed into Yotown. But it really kind of started, I always say, you know, I, I started, my roots started in yoga, teaching yoga, because that's how it all began. A lot of the first people that came to Yotown were, of course, my yoga students um, or people I had, and, you know, I was teaching at the gyms or whatnot or the studios. Your uh, your leap of faith <laughs> is incredible. I mean, that's a really big thing to just go. You know, I'm you know follow that follow an, an image that pulls at the heartstrings and to to go and do that because people can talk about it and say and be affected by what they see, but not everyone takes that leap. So, you know, well done to you for doing that and all of this coming out of it. That's incredible. And moving to another country, I'm so glad London found you and and welcomed you with open arms. So that's a, that's a big old catalyst that let you to create Yotown. Um, tell us about the program itself. So you've got the five-day Yotox lifestyle program. What does that mm-hmm. consist of? Tell me about that. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it was, it's, it started out, it grew very organically, very authentically. The very first, when we first opened, it was a week long program. It kind of focused on different things one week, then maybe it was yoga the next, you know, it, it honed itself over time to this five day, um, we call it the Yotown, Yotox, Yotox by Yotown. It became a little bit of a, a detox, but not the same way as, you know, a, a juice fast or a boot camp or anything that was happening again at the time we were talking 10 years ago, but we were really adamant that we wanted it to be more whole being health and much more well-rounded. And so I think with that, that's how that happened, that um, we honed it over time. And it just became this thing where we saw what people wanted. And the five days became a really good length of time. A week was a little long. Four days was a little short. And we just really picked this we just kind of, you know, was this formula that started to develop. And it wasn't about just yoga. And it wasn't about just eating or fitness. It was really was whole being health. So we have, it was, we call it working out and working in, you know, it's that thing of there was things that, yes, you would go on these amazing coastal hikes and you're doing your yoga and you have some fitness, but then you're also doing things like meditation. You're doing your, your mindful mindfulness, your gong meditation, your sound therapy, there's massages every night. There's, you know, there's other things in there, of course, as well. I don't like to say because they're kind of surprised to the program. We have a lot of surprise sessions on the program that we don't, we don't advertise because that's kind of part of it is to kind of throw people a little bit out of their comfort zones by doing things that are they're kind of really to, you know, really healing for the soul. But if you just hear of it, you'll get like, oh, kind of scared. You might run away. But then, of course, everybody loves it. So, <laughs> so, but it's just a mixture of things. And then when we meet somebody great, if they have a great therapy or something they're really passionate about and it really works for the program, we'll put them on the program. And that's how it developed over, over time. So it's now really a fine-tuned machine. It's well-oiled. You know, it's five days. Um, and it's really this nice ebb and flow of activities that really complement each other. Okay, so is there an element of prep? There's obviously the surprise element once you reach, but is there an element of prep ahead of a Yotox retreat? Yes. So because we eliminate um, from the program things like 
caffeine, gluten, refined sugar, <laughs> alcohol, uh, and dairy. Obviously, if your diet is heavy with that, you're going to have issues, probably more the caffeine, somewhat the sugar as well, the refined sugar. So we do say a week ahead, um, try to cut down or eliminate the caffeine so that you're not going on really heavy uh, you know, withdrawal symptoms when you're here and it won't, it will ruin the, not ruin, but for some people, some people have no effects and some people do. And, and it's, it's funny because it doesn't really correlate to how much coffee they have every day. Some people just on one coffee a day, but when they stop that, it really hits them hard. Some people have three or four or five, six, seven cups, they stop it and it doesn't seem to hit them. So we just say to be safe, start to wind down on the caffeine um, the alcohol, the sugars, so your body isn't going into complete shock. But it's not a fasting retreat, so there is amazing, healthy, plentiful food. It's not fully vegan, but it's very plant-centric. We don't do meat. We don't have meat, but we have fish options. So we have a couple of fish dishes for those who want, but we also have vegan if they don't want the fish that night. So so it's a pretty wholesome, nutrient-dense um, diet. Um, but yes, we do recommend having a little bit of prep. A week before usually does the job. <laughs> So weight loss is, I mean, I'm sure there are a bunch of people that come with weight loss in mind, but I imagine you said lifestyle. It's not a big, it's not the main focus. There's also the communal aspect to it, which I guess is a pretty important part of it. Yes. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's never been advertised as a weight loss program. Um, that was never an interest for us. Um, it was really one of these things where, you know, we were really, really um, set on having a whole being program. So that the communal aspect is very important as well because people come on their own for the most part. They don't, you know, some couples come, but we really encourage people to come on their own, their own experience. Sometimes they come with friends, but more than often people come on their own. And it is, you know, it's a program that's done all together. It's not a pick or choose. You know, we all wake up at the same time. Everyone does the activities, you know, en famille, so to speak, all together. We eat at a big communal table. It's all meant to be that also like-minded people, to be inspired by each other. Um, but there's definitely, you know, the weight loss thing is something that I don't think people are so interested anymore. They are and they aren't. Like in terms of the trend, you know, as I was saying to someone yesterday, like, you know, 10 years ago, all the inquiries were always, you know, oh, I need to lose weight. Can I lose 10 pounds in five days? And it was very weight loss centric. And we would always say to people, you know, look, it's a good kickstart, but in five days we can starve you. That's not, you know, it's not clever. It's not hard to starve people. We can certainly, you know, just completely, you know, you can lose that weight, but it's just going to come back. And what I find is most of the time anyway, you know, I always say to say to people, I say to guests, I said, it's, it's the weight you're feeling, even if you lost those 10 pounds, you're probably still going to feel heavy because a lot of the weight people need to lose is the weight of of the being, not the weight of the body, the heaviness. Like, I feel heavy. I feel this and that. It's that's the heaviness, you know. The physical weight isn't always the issue, and I find a lot of times more than not, it's not the issue. So I always say, look, we don't work with just the weight of the body. We work at the weight of the being because we find it's a byproduct. You know, you eat healthy, feel better, and the weight kind of comes off, but it comes off in a much more clever way. It comes off in a more sustainable way, and and. Um, and you and you and you do literally feel lighter at heart, and that's more what we're working towards at Yotown is being lighter in being. If that makes sense, not so much lighter in the body, because that's like I said, it's not hard to starve yourself. Um, <laughs> but you know, our our menu is about healthy, wholesome, nutrient dense, nourishing foods. That's really interesting. I think of body and mind, everything wellness, and talking about the wellness industry generally, it is booming, and I think there's a much more open mindedness to this. What do you attribute that to? 
I think it's the sign of the times. I think that people really see, well, for one, I think people are suffering from mental health issues much more than ever. And I think we, you know, as a society, as a collective, we, we kind of have to acknowledge that. Um, I do think coming from living in California where that's been kind of going on for a long time. And when I came to London, like meditation, mindfulness, there was no talk of that. No one was interested. Even, even at Yotown, people would run away when they were like, okay, guys, it's meditation now. People would run to their rooms. <laughs> so I think it also depends where you are in the world, you know, and I'm sure there's other places too that are still kind of, kind of a little bit behind that, that, that I don't like to call it a trend, but that sort of, you know, on the curve, so to speak, the W curve, or it's not even a curve, but the W, you know, the wellness, um, you know, I just feel like, like there's this, this thing when people are ready, I think that just happens collectively. And I think that's really why when they, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's just people know that it's not sustainable the way that we're living in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, mental health is, is, is becoming equally, if not more important to people for people and success is being redefined. And I think that that's really what's why wellness is becoming so important because people are saying, you know what, it's not all about collecting material things because I, I've seen now too much. We know the game is up. If we're just focused on collecting material and, and we just equate success to that, we've seen too many people with lots of material successes, quote unquote, completely miserable. And so at a certain point, you know, the game is up, right? <laughs> if you see enough decades where, well, that didn't seem to work so well then. And I think people are more looking for much more... Um, you know, the much more an inner satisfaction and, and an inner, you know, success on the inside versus just this material outside success. And I think that's why things, things are really shifting. Do you see this growing, continuing? What do you think it's going to look like? What do you think the wellness industry is going to look like in another 10 years? Yeah, I do. I do. I do see it growing. Um, and I don't know, I, again, I, I, I don't know if it's so much a way to call it a trend versus it's just going to become a lifestyle. It's just going to become a natural extension of the way we view ourselves as humans rather than just a sector or an industry or, or a, a trend of, so to speak. I, I don't, I don't see, I think it's just, it's a, it's an evolution. I think that we're evolving to sort of care for ourselves in different ways. And I, I definitely, that's just evolution to me. It's inevitable. Um, so, so yeah, to answer that question, yeah. But I think it's, it's going to be, we're not going to see it so much as an industry or just some sector. We're going to see it as just a way of life. So that's really interesting. It becomes a way of life. Mm. And wellness tourism, so people actually traveling for wellness. So Devon, for example, and we'll talk about mm. Madeira in a second. Mm. That's, that's a really big thing. And people have traveling for the purpose of improving well-being. Mm. So, you know, uh, ancient bathing or pilgrimages or, I mean, <laughs> yoga retreats, all of this kind of stuff. Why mm. this surge in interest? And do you have any places outside of your own, of course, that you think yeah. are superb or that you'd recommend or anything particularly memorable? Well, I, I think because people, again, I think things are shifting, you know, I think we did, we went through that period where people would come back from a holiday needing a holiday. And I think that, you know, now um, people like, when they go away, they want to feel good and they want to do things that make them, make them feel good. And that's the holiday, you know, rather than just the drinking and excess partying. And that's, you know, sure, there's all, there's a place for that too. And the fun and the party there's, that's, that's completely, I think life is to be lived and to be balanced. But I think some people like that, that's really enjoyable for them. So they have a week off from their jobs. They want to go and do stuff that, that feel enjoyable for them, you know, and, and that might be the yoga and the hiking and the eating healthy food and waking up and stretching and just feeling good. You know, a lot of people don't have the luxury necessarily in their lives, the time to, to spend all day doing that. Right. And that's for their holidays. 
Um, for me personally, you know, Bali is a place for us um, that we escape to. It's sadly, obviously not the past couple of years because of the pandemic. So I'm really, I was just telling my husband the other day, like, oh, I really hope this August we can, we can get back to our Bali, you know, our tradition, because that's someplace we've been going with our kids when we're, since they were really young. Again, it's just, it's just such a great environment, um, you know, where we go in Bali, um, where we just, you know, we, I think it, you know, it's again, it's not well-being, it's just a lifestyle. It's the way we spend the month and we sort of, we're doing yoga, we're surfing, we eat these great, amazing cafes and healthy, healthy eats and restaurants and, and, uh, people. And I, I can't explain it, you know? So, so for me, that's my, when you say, where do I go? That's really where, where I go to, to kind of the same thing, probably where people come to Yotown, that's where I go to, if I want to get away, you know, um, and kind of do something. But, you know, that being said, it, it is, I still have yet to find even in Bali, a place kind of like Yotown that incorporates it all. I have to kind of pick, get it from different places. And that's kind of really what we wanted us to be a bit of a one-stop shop where you could have that, you know, during the program. It is a very full program, but you can take or leave what, you know, what you want and leave the rest. So, so for me, you know, I'd, I'd have to say, yeah, I mean, I, if I need to unplug or need to get away, Bali's kind of my, my little spot. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. It's an incredible place. So you've got North Devon as the location of your uh, retreat and now you've got Madeira as well as your latest location. Tell me about the Madeira one and have you got plans for anywhere else internationally? Well, funny enough, Bali was on our, our, our radar before Madeira. So that actually was, we were in the works just before the pandemic. We were in the works kind of getting that set up to do that. But obviously things happen and thank God kind of we didn't because obviously <laughs> there's this pandemic and we wouldn't be able to be there. So so that's that's not on the cards at the moment. But um, Madeira to us is kind of like the sort of European Bali. You know, it's that thing where it's it's close, it's three hours away. Um, but it's, it's kind of, you know, it has a very, I think I could see it as kind of the new, the new Bali in a way, because it has this amazing energy that's very similar. And a lot of people, funny enough that we've met, um, are people that have been living in Bali and now they're all leaving because of the pandemic. It's truly shifted. Apparently I haven't been there, but I was just talking with a guy I met. He's been living in Bali for five, six years. And he's like, Oh, he's in Madeira. I just met him in Madeira. And he's like, Oh, a lot of my friends, a lot of our connections, they're all kind of migrating here to the Island. And I said, Oh, that's really interesting. Cause when my husband and I landed here like a year ago, this was a year ago, I said, I said, I kind of can see this like a little, again, kind of like when I went to London, there was this white space. I kind of felt the same thing. I feel the same thing with Madeira. Like it's just prime. It's, so it was so it's such a healthy vibe and and the well-being aspect i think is just crying out for that to be sort of to sort of grow there um and and just the topography the weather the flora the fauna the colors i can't explain it and that's why i think people go and they just fall in love um they fall in love with the island because it's just prime for that and i i really think it's kind of funny because i said to simon we don't really need bali anymore because we have sort of a, a much closer we don't have to do 16 hour flight to, to find our bali but i'm really looking forward i think and how the island's going to shape because like i said it's all there the the, the the makings are you know it has all the trappings everything you need to just kind of become this lovely lovely space for well-being um and i think it will i think it will you know i think it's inevitable yeah that's superb how has setting up yotown impacted your life i mean as a yotown a retreat itself as a as a business as your own business as a mother as a, you know the, all of the kind of aspects of yotown itself and having your own business yeah i mean look i i I do, I teach, you know, in my teacher trainings, I do, I I teach people to be teachers, train people to be teachers. And I, 
I tell them like, no matter how quote unquote successful a yoga teacher you are, you can only teach so many classes, right? So there's, there's gotta be, there's like where I always say, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want? Because I still, like I say, even though I run all these businesses and I, you know, I do so much, I still see myself as a yoga teacher. People say, what do you do? I say, I'm a yoga teacher, but even though I'm not, I'm much more a businesswoman now. And, you know, obviously at the moment, even right now, I haven't been teaching a lot of yoga other than with my guests at the retreat, but not to the level I used to, um, in terms of, I used to teach a lot of classes every day in the studios and all that whole, whole thing. But eventually, you know, if, you know, I, I knew I wanted to have children at some point, um, and I knew I wanted to to have a sort of a space that I could curate that was the same space and really grow. I knew I wanted to have a yoga element, but also other things. Cause I'm not just, I don't, not just a yoga teacher. I have a lot of different, you know, strings to my bow, so to speak. And I just really feel like, you know, Yotan is an extension of all these things I love to do, which is healing and the healing arts and, and well-being and wellness and, and community and people. And I love that. And it kind of brought it all together and it let people come to me versus me having to go to them. Because when I was running around teaching yoga, which I loved, I was having to go to all these places. And again, fine, but everybody has a bandwidth. And so I always tell people, I say, no matter how, and that's great. It meant I'm, you know, I'm successful, right? Everybody wanted me to come teach. Great. Okay, but how much can you really do that? What, five, six, seven classes a day? Five, six, seven days a week? I mean, what's success in that, you know? And so I just knew that that was going to have its limit. And Yotown, like I said, it also became a place I could do some teacher trainings, have people come, work with a group of people. In its nation stages, I actually did teacher trainings for a month, a month-long intensives when we first started Yotown. We weren't running every week. Obviously, we had to build the business for that. So it really allowed me this space to keep growing into doing what I love, but then also kind of bringing other aspects that were beyond yoga so that I didn't have to just rely on just teaching yoga. I could start expanding and exploring other things that I really gave me the space and freedom, I suppose, to really, really kind of learn and, you know, in some ways grow for myself again, keep not just being a teacher, but also a student. And that's really like when my kids were two years old, that's why I decided to go back to school. And I went to Cambridge and I got my diploma in the coaching psychology and I started studying coaching and I graduated with that. So I was another string to add to the bow and I could bring that to the retreat. And I started coaching people in positive psychology coaching. And I started teacher training in that way. And it was just a way, you know, Yotan gave me that space to keep learning as a student as well, not just a teacher, if that makes sense. It does make complete sense. And it sounds like you're still learning and still developing and you're adding those strings to your bow, which is superb. Um, I have one final question, although I think I could keep talking to you for hours, which is, which is great. Uh, which I get, it's a, you know, it's a big old question. I'm hoping you give us a simple answer. But how can we reach optimum well-being? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, I think look for things that give you meaning and purpose. I really do. I think a life of meaning and purpose, things that 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 bring you that go, let you go from. I always say from functioning to flourishing. You know, what is that thing that gives you flow? that brings you into that space where you feel like, you know, there's a meaning there, there's a purpose there. And, and what is that? And I think it's different for everyone. And I think sometimes we always feel that has to be our job. And I always tell people, I don't think it's necessarily always. Sometimes it's just making sure that a large part of your life is, 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 is in flow, so to speak. And that's a whole other topic. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on flow and positive psychology and all that. But, but really, you know, to me, optimal well-being is, is that, is just feeling like there's meaning and purpose. And I guess, of course, there's the physical, you know, aspect of being healthy and you feel strong and great and, and happy and vitality and zest. And of course, but to me, optimum well-being is much deeper than that. It's, it's much more spiritual thing 
than just physical um, or just mental. It really is. It's just this kind of all-encompassing whole being health, if that makes sense. (laughs) Jamie, thank you so much. That was so beautifully put. And I hope everyone can take from that and use it in their own lives to find optimum well-being. (laughs) One can hope. Um, where can we follow uh, you or Yotown on social media? Yeah, so you know at Yotown you know at Yotown uh, at social media at Mercedes Seif social media at Yotown Madeira at Yotown SG that's London Sussex Gardens the restaurant. So yeah, <laughs> there's a few Yot anything Yotown. <laughs> when does Sussex Gardens open? So literally, our chefs are going there like this week to sort of kind of get the menu curated. I think in the next few weeks we should be up and going. We're open for breakfast at the moment. We have a soft launch, but I think we'll be fully going in the new year. So hopefully we're just getting it all set up and going to reopen. Fantastic. Well, I cannot wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fabulous Christmas and a very happy new year. Catch you next time.